When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to episode 207 of the Source Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, joined once again by the one and only Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you? I am fantastic, Jack Pilgrim. How are you? Oh, just fine and dandy hanging in there. We are live once again on our glorious YouTube page here uh, with the KSR YouTube page. If you Come on in. Uh, the water is fine. Uh, ask questions. Give comments. We will be reading those live during the show. Uh, this is going to be a recruiting uh, edition of the show. We're going to be talking a little bit about the uh, conference schedule or the non the conference schedule that was released, and then some non conference details that uh, we've gotten here in the last couple of days as well. Uh, a bunch of good stuff here coming up on the show, and then a little bit about the uh, Big Blue Madness. Uh, release date that just got announced today. Uh, some details about the event itself that I, I've heard that uh, I think Kentucky fans will be very excited about, Sean. I told you about what's coming on that regard. I think it's going to be something that Kentucky fans are excited about. We've been waiting for uh, a new and improved version of Big Blue Madness. I know that's something that John Calipari has been uh, adamant about here recently, about uh, making sure that Big Blue Madness is kind of that go-to premiere event that it was when he first got to Lexington. So, uh, Sean, I think that's going to be something that Kentucky fans are quite excited about. Yeah, it certainly looks like they're trying to kind of amp this thing up again and get some more excitement around that event. And it, it kind of goes hand in hand with what the program has been doing this summer. It's been a really, really good summer, especially in recruiting, kind of changing the game there again and getting back to getting number one, number two player in the country and highly rated recruits and kind of getting that excitement back to that area of the program. So changing Big Blue Madness only helps that as well, because, you know, you want to put on a big time night for those official visitors and unofficial visitors. Yeah. And I mean, well, I guess since we're talking about it now, uh, let's just dive right in. Big Blue Madness announced for Friday, October 14th uh, in Rupp Arena. And the campout is returning to Memorial Coliseum the weekend of October 1st. Uh, more details are coming. But, Sean, uh, it's it's going to be a weekend of fun at uh, outside Memorial Coliseum. This isn't going to be a one-day affair or you know one-and-a-half-day affair just to distribute tickets. They did this on purpose. This is going to be a tailgating weekend of sorts. They did this on purpose for the Ole Miss game on the road. Uh, they wanted this to be kind of a, a party environment, get ready for the big football game as well, kind of tie those two things together. I know there's some, you know, all the football, basketball talk that we've talked about. Uh, they want to toss all that aside and say, you know what? We are all in together on this unbelievable weekend. Let's get excited for the Ole Miss game. Let's get excited for Kentucky basketball season. And we will be camping out together. Sean, I've heard that they're going to have food trucks and uh, inflatables for the kids. And it's going to be an all out uh, effort there at the Memorial Coliseum and, and, uh, the surrounding area. So, Sean, I think that's going to be something that uh, Kentucky fans are going to absolutely love. Yeah, big-time party and uh, should be a massive Kentucky football game at Ole Miss there. Uh, you're talking about Kentucky number nine in the polls right now in the AP poll, Ole Miss. Both teams could be undefeated when that game's happening. So, perfect time to uh, to kick off some excitement there. People watching football, get your Big Blue Madness tickets. Uh, football school, basketball school, both programs are going to going to benefit from BBN, and I think it's a great event schedule. So uh, they're kind of unofficially making it a tailgate party for the Ole Miss game. Free admission to the volleyball game in the afternoon, uh, and you don't have to camp to come to, uh, party for that game as well. They're, they will have food trucks. There will be uh, inflatables. 
Uh, and then um, they wanted to make it longer, but, you know, with campus issues and safety issues and things like that, they wanted to just make it one night, but a, a true two day party uh, there in Lexington. And I did want to add while we're kind of talking about things that are uh, about to be announced and things that are being announced uh, in, in, you know, currently in the, in the coming weeks, the blue white game, Sean, 100% taking place in Eastern Kentucky. It's something that that was, John Calipari was all in on that wanted to uh, really, uh, you know, dedicate those efforts and those the, the flood relief efforts, raise a, a good chunk of change for the, the people that desperately need that money. Uh, he's kind of been all in on this effort. He announced at that open practice uh, during the telethon where they raised almost $4 million, an amazing night for Kentucky basketball. Uh, Savier Wheeler comes out during that and says, uh, you know what, we want to play this annual blue-white game. We want to bring it to Eastern Kentucky and play it uh, with the people that have been impacted and kind of give them something to kind of rally behind and, and kind of just be all in with. Uh, so that is 100% happening. I have a, a date on that, October 22nd. So uh, keep your eyes and ears peeled on that. Uh, the plan is for half of the tickets to be donated to uh, the victims of, of flood uh you know, all the flood devastation going on down in Eastern Kentucky. So I think awesome, awesome, awesome ideas on both regards uh, for the Kentucky basketball program. It, it, they're, uh, you couldn't ask for better ideas, I think, and for both, both events. Pretty, pretty sure that's on a Saturday, right? October 22nd. Yeah, that's good. You know, high school football crowd on Friday night and you get to, get to do that event. I think that is a wonderful idea. When they announced that at that open practice and everything there in the telethon, I, I was like, that's a fantastic idea. Bring that thing to Eastern Kentucky, an area of the state where – you know, Kentucky basketball, it's it's not an area where the team usually makes a trip to. And I think that that's a cool thing. Now, I know that they've been involved with, uh, you know, helping with the, the flooding and some and raising some funds there. But this is the perfect way to do it. I would love to see that game move around the state every single year. Not be at Rupp Arena, not be at Memorial Coliseum, move that thing. It's the only thing that I think you can kind of make mobile and take it around the state. And it kind of lets the program go to all areas of Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky, Western Kentucky, Northern Kentucky. I, I think it'd be a great idea to play it at some different places around and just make that an annual thing. Well, and, and that's kind of been the argument against Big Blue Madness the last decade or so is that, uh, you know, it's it's just a glorified layup line. They don't do anything of substance in, the, in those games. It's really just an introduction to the players. Uh, Coach Cal typically gives his kind of state of the program address. It doesn't. Uh, really do anything from a basketball perspective. The blue-white game is always kind of the go-to for fans that really want to see their first glimpse of this team. Obviously, this is a different example because we have gotten to see them play against real competition in the Bahamas. So uh, I think because of that, it's such a unique opportunity because – at see, you know, fans aren't going to be, you know, kind of, you know, tripping over each other to get into Rupp Arena to go see this blue white game, right, Sean? Like, I think yeah. uh, that they, this was the perfect opportunity to say, okay, let's do something fresh, let's do something unique, let's do something to give back to a group of people that des desperately need it right now. Uh, I thought that was such, such a cool idea on, on Kentucky's part. Um, so I'm very much looking forward to. Uh, that blue-white game getting moved to Eastern Kentucky. And I know that the uh, people down in that end of the state are very much looking forward to that as well. Uh, if you're tuning in, what do you think about uh, the Big Blue Madness campout announcement? What do you think about blue, the blue-white game taking uh, its talents down to Eastern Kentucky? I'm sure Kentucky fans are very excited about that. Uh, I did want to bring up a comment. You, you kind of touched on it there uh, about the Big Blue Madness campout and just kind of just Big Blue Madness in general. John Calipari had a quote uh, where he said, uh, it's unacceptable to not have a camp out. It's part of what makes UK basketball special. We have some great ideas on how, where, and when that will make it tremendous, uh, unless there's some sort of roadblock, camp out will return. And then he talked about it on, on BBN tonight. Uh, he said, madness, you got to be talking about madness for a month, or we didn't do our job. Uh, it's unacceptable. The camp out, you got to have a camp out. In basketball, one player can win you a national title. It's not football. Football is the Calvary one player. So everything you do has to be geared toward not losing that guy because theirs is so much better. You don't want them to have any chance to say this is way better. I still uh, remember uh, the John Wall dance guys coming out of the ceiling. We got to get back to doing that. So I thought this was just a really cool thing, just on John Calipari's side, where uh, we have seen just kind of such a uh, an all-in effort on his end to just kind of get back to that gold standard of Kentucky basketball. You know, the new uniforms, the Bahamas tour, right, you know, raving about his team every chance he gets. 
it really feels like he's doing, you know, pulling out all the stops to bring this program back to that gold standard and get everybody talking about it and being excited about it. I mean, he said uh, this needs to be an event that we talk about for a month. Having kind of this tailgate party, this huge party scene in, in downtown Lexington at, at Memorial Coliseum, I think that's a hell of a way to start, Sean. And I, and I appreciate that he's kind of seeing these type of events get you that one guy. They get you that Zion Williams and they get you that Anthony Davis. They get you the John Wall. We need to make sure that we're getting uh, those type of players and, and by ramping up those efforts with Big Blue Madness, it's certainly going to do it. Well, I mean, it's a night for the fans, but the biggest thing about Big Blue Madness, I mean, you're not getting a lot accomplished on the floor. You're not going over things. You're not getting better when it comes to practicing because we know they go through the motions with a scrimmage and all things like that. It is about winning those recruiting battles. That is where you win at Big Blue Madness. Like you just mentioned, you get a Zon Williamson. Uh, you can't have Duke doing what they do and making it cool. You ha can't have Kansas doing things and making it cool. You've got to be the one that everyone's talking about when it's uh, on social media, on Instagram, everybody on Instagram stories, things like that. You want your event to be the one being discussed and talked about. And I think that you're going to see uh, a bigger event this year, bigger than what it has been in recent years. They're going to get back to doing some of the cool things because that's what it's ultimately about. That is the, the night that you showcase your program and you actually put on a show for those guys sitting behind the bench and for your fans as well. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, Blake, Blake Coomer says uh, 606 has some of the most passionate fans in the state. It's going to it's going to be an awesome environment. Donating tickets to victims is a no brainer. I mean, I, absolutely. That is that. I mean, you're Sean, you're down from that area of the state. You know, kind of the, the impacted areas and the people that have been impacted. Just what do you think? an event like this is going to do for though the you know that community that's just been kind of hit over and over and over again looking for something to kind of hang on to it feels like this is the perfect thing to kind of rally together uh, and be all in on on you know kind well, of one good thing the, the one thing about Kentucky basketball and I, I talked to a lot of people about it especially since we do the job that we do there's that's the one thing that connects every corner of this state to each other it connects Eastern Kentucky to Western Kentucky, Central Kentucky to Eastern Kentucky. It connects the whole state together, Kentucky football, Kentucky basketball, BBN in general. But the Kentucky men's basketball team coming to Eastern Kentucky, that's a big deal. There will be people at that game that night that have probably never been to Rupp Arena, have probably never been to a blue-white game. There will be people go to that game that have never got to see this team in action before I think that's the biggest thing about it. You're talking people have probably been Kentucky fans for 30, 40 years. You're going to have young kids probably getting their first taste of getting to see Oscar Shibway, Xavier Wheeler, John Calipari. That's what makes it special, but also giving back, donating those funds to the, the people of Eastern Kentucky, the people that are going to take years to build back what their life was. Some will never be built back the same. They lost so much. So moving that event to Eastern Kentucky, that that's a huge win. Uh, I think that's a, a, the best decision for John Calipari in the program. I, th I thought it was a home run. And uh, honestly, all the decisions, the the jerseys, this, the changes to Big Blue Madness, the camp out coming back, the recruiting wins, it feels like the loss to St. Peter's really ignited something within this program, and it's getting back to what made it what it was, let's say, seven, eight years ago. Absolutely. Keep in mind, October 22nd uh, for that blue-white game, and then uh, Big Blue Madness camp out for October 1st and 2nd with – I believe that October 14th date scheduled for uh, Big, Big Blue Madness itself. Uh, uh, the other kind of big team news that we heard this week, Sean, uh, one that you know kind of dropped right after we recorded our, our last episode, kind of frustrating. We're like, man, we, we were waiting for that big drop, and, and uh, unfortunately it, was, it happened a day later, so we'll definitely uh, dive into that a little bit. We get the SEC schedule, uh, and it's one that – um, I, I'm actually a big fan of. I like the way it's laid out. I like some of the road trips that uh, UK went on. Uh, we can go through it right now. Uh, they start December 28th at Missouri, then January 3rd uh, against LSU at home. You travel to uh, Alabama from there, home against South Carolina at Tennessee, Georgia, Texas A&M both at home, at Vandy, at Ole Miss. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, another trip to uh, Oxford, and um, then you get Florida and Arkansas again at home, and you travel to Georgia, travel to Mississippi State, and then Tennessee at home, uh, back on the road at Florida. Usually that's kind of the last game of the year, so it's kind of interesting. Uh, that one's a little bit different. Uh, and then you get Auburn at home, Vandy at home, and then the last game of the year, which one I think is going to be a blast, at Arkansas, Fayetteville, 
I think Bud Walton Arena is going to be popping that night. Uh, that's definitely kind of the one I have circled on my schedule. What are your early thoughts on that? Uh, I think that last date was intentional at Arkansas, capping that thing off right before the league tournament starts. Uh, could could decide the league, honestly. I mean, you could be on the road at Bud Walton Arena playing for the, the outright SEC championship in the regular season. My first thing about the schedule that I noticed a week ago, you have a favorable road schedule. I think it's, so. It's, it's honestly not that bad. I think that's the biggest takeaway. I mean, obviously going to Arkansas, going to Tennessee, those are tough. Going on the road to Florida. But you get at Georgia. You get at Vandy, a place that you've had a lot of success in recent years. You get on the road to Alabama, on the road at Missouri. I, I don't think that's a difficult road schedule. The, no. the difficult games are on the back end of it. Now, I know you get a few there before you go to Thompson Bowling, but you get to close at Arkansas I think that's my biggest takeaway looking at the road schedules. You get some games there where they've had a lot of success at Georgia and some other places. Yeah. I, you know, if there's not one game, I'm excited for that Arkansas trip with their recruiting class and just kind of the excitement around that program. And, you know, Eric Musselman being kind of the cool, uh, you know, up and coming coach that everybody's excited about. I'm excited to see that kind of head to head battle going into when the games actually matter. Uh, and that SEC tournament slate, it's going to be a blast. I, again, I'm looking forward to that uh, Ole Miss trip. Um, you know, so of the teams they play twice, who is it? So they got Vandy twice, right? And they got Georgia Vandy. twice. Yes. So that that's a break right there. Playing those two teams mm-hmm. twice, I think that that's a significant break. You get Arkansas twice, you get Florida twice, and you get Tennessee twice. Now those are some tougher matchups. Uh, I'd still like to see home and away with Auburn every single year. I'd like to mm-hmm. see them play the better teams in the league. But the thing that you look at. With this SEC slate, you're going to get some quad one opportunities in league play. Probably seven, eight quad one opportunities, if not more, just from your conference, not counting what they have out of conference. Now, the entire schedule is not finished. We're still waiting on some of those non-conference matchups. But looking at the the overall body of work with the schedule, there's going to be plenty of quad one opportunities in the out of conference and in the conference. Yeah, and I guess while we're we're talking about it, the non-conference schedule uh, today, Yale, uh, the matchup against Yale was announced as December 10th uh, there at Rupp Arena. That was one of the last games that we kind of had a TVA, TVD, depending on uh, uh, when that game would actually be scheduled. I think the only one left that has kind of been unofficially announced is Duquesne um, there at Rupp Arena. We have not gotten a date on that one, but the rest of the conference or the non-conference slate uh, goes as follows. Uh, November 15th, Champions Classic against Michigan State there in Indianapolis. I'm very much looking forward to that one. We got November 18th against North Florida uh, at home. Then you, we travel to Gonzaga uh, taking on uh, uh, there in, in Spokane. I'm very much looking forward to that one on November 20th. It's a Sunday. That's the night after uh, Sean, the Georgia game. That is setting up yeah. for one hell of a weekend. You get North Florida there on Friday, then Georgia at, uh, um, Georgia in the fo- on, on football, and, and then Sunday you get at Gonzaga. I mean, you're talking about a three-day stretch, Sean, that I think Lexington is just going to be torn down to the ground of things kind of – if the ball bounces in ways that they could, I think that's definitely going to be one that uh, uh, people are excited about. Yeah, and, and it looks like, if I'm counting correctly here, that there's still three games that they have to add. So I've counted 28 games. So there's three non-conference dates somewhere. Looking at it, probably going to be early November, I'm assuming, those games will be before, because I know Champions is later now, November 15th. So we have what no you- idea when that Duquesne game will be. But they'll, they'll, there's definitely three games missing that they're going to add somewhere. What do you think of that change, uh, the Champions Classic, and instead of it being the kind of premier uh, season-opening event, uh, them pushing it back a week because I know that's kind of something that Kentucky fans were kind of wishy-washy about. They like the premiere, oh. opening the schedule with it, but you know uh, it's also a more difficult game. So the the coaching side of me says, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to have the two or three dates before it. That yeah. I think that that's the big thing, especially when you're playing teams like Michigan State, Duke, Kansas to open your season. I think that it's good to have some of those games to kind of get your feet wet before you go into an event like that. Uh, but. I'm okay with it. I think uh, back in the day when it was the huge college basketball marathon where it started at midnight the night before and went all the way up to champions, I thought that was a cool way to kind of introduce and kick off the season. But I think it's big, too, to kind of move it away from and towards the end of football instead of getting it there at the beginning. I kind of like where it's at there in the middle of November. But, hey, look at this week. You're talking Michigan State in Indy for the Champions Classic. Mm-hmm. Then you come back home and you play North Florida. You got Georgia in football on Saturday. Then you go to, to Gonzaga on Sunday. Now, any concerns there about a Friday night game 
against North Florida and then immediately getting on a plane on Saturday or whenever, going all the way across country to Gonzaga. Any concerns there about how quickly they had to squeeze that game in? I mean, yeah, probably, but that was also – uh, again, that was an on-the-fly schedule, too. Like, it, you could it, tell that they're like, all right, when are we doing this? Yeah. Um, but I will say Kentucky against North Florida, that was one of the games early on this year that uh, I think Kentucky played extremely well. That was one of their first big blowouts of the year, if I remember correctly. I think Damian yep. Collins had a huge game that 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 night. And uh, so it's a nice tune-up game if you're looking for a confidence booster before that road trip, I think. And I think yep. that's kind of something that, you know, you want to kind of go back-to-back, kind of the way that we saw them against in the Bahamas. Uh, you you get the, those three games in that short period of time, I think three games in nine days or eight days, whatever it ends up uh, coming down to. I, I think that's – or I guess five – yeah, five days. Uh, yeah, the 15th, 18th, and 20th. So – uh, you get those three kind of back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, two of them being super high-profile games. Uh, it's kind of a let's put your money where your mouth is and see what you got uh, on this team. I, I actually really like the way that's laid out. So so looking at this schedule, you can already kind of look and see where those three games are going to be added. There's going to be something between Gonzaga and Bellarmine because that's a nine-day layoff. So Thanksgiving week, you'll probably get two, if at least at least one there and then I'm assuming right before Champions Classics where those other games will be added. So that's probably the, the way that the schedule is going to go because it looks like December is already full with Michigan, Yale, UCLA, and then Missouri and Louisville. So that's the that's the way I think it would probably fall. Somewhere so, somewhere in front of Champions and then somewhere right there in that Thanksgiving window. So I, I again, when you look at the rest of the schedule, Sean, I know there's some people that go, you know, we need we, we, you know, Kentucky needs to play Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, you know, at home, back to back to back to back to back, and that'd be the whole homestand. That's obviously not going to happen. That will never happen. And the fans wanting that, sorry about your luck. It's, it ain't happening. But I, I do know some of the other teams, you know, the few teams that are left that we haven't that haven't gotten announced yet. Kentucky did get creative uh, in in the way. Uh, these games are going to unfold and who they scheduled uh, some familiar faces that could be coming back to Rupp arena. That could be a little hint that, you know, I don't want to give away too, too much, but uh, they wanted to be creative with who they're bringing back to Rupp arena and, and kind of make that kind of a, a, a sub, substantial game in that regard. So uh, Sean, I think when you look from top to bottom, we haven't gone from there. You get Bellerman, you get Michigan out in London, uh, you get Yale at home, which I think is pretty unique. I think Kentucky's only played Yale once in the school, in the program's history, I believe. Uh, and then you got UCLA at Madison Square Garden. You get Louisville at home on December 31st. And then the big one, Kansas, uh, coming to Rupp Arena for the Big 12 SEC Challenge on January 28th. I think it's a hell of a schedule there, Sean. I do, I do too. And, and it's the thing now, you want to schedule tough. And we know that Cal's going to have those neutral court games against the Michigan States and champions. They're going to play UCLA and these programs in the CBS Sports Classic. Always going to play Louisville. You're going to, you got the Big 12 SEC Challenge. You know you're going to draw a marquee program in that game. But you got to be careful with how much you do add because the SEC is not what it was six or seven years ago. The no, league no. is going to present challenges for you with two games against Arkansas, two games against Tennessee. There's, there's programs there that have – dreams and aspirations of getting to a final four. So you're, you're getting tested in the league. So you don't want to go overboard with the non-conference. I do think the addition of Gonzaga was kind of the icing on the cake for this mm-hmm. schedule. I like the schedule once they added that date. I think you got enough with Michigan state, Gonzaga, UCLA, Michigan and London, Louisville, Kansas. I think you have enough in the non-conference there. I, I love the schedule. I actually think it's been one of the better schedules in recent years. We got uh, Aaron Gasaway says, sucks though. We get can- Arkansas in, in Rupp on a Tuesday and we go to them on a Saturday. That part does suck. Uh, I know, uh, that I'm, I'm telling you that Bud Walton Arena there on March 4th, that is going to be the premier game of the SEC slate. I'm telling you, that's going to be a blast. I've never been one. Uh, you you know this. Me and you went to Florida a few years ago, and then turned around and SEC tournament starts and everything. And that well, obviously that was the COVID year that we didn't get to do the tournament. But I've always been the one that's like, ah, hopefully it's a game that you can kind of just relax and get ready to gear up for March. But that kind of feels like one that we're going to be sitting there covering because it's going to be. I mean, you're talking. I mean, you're talking two teams that when the season starts, probably going to be Final Four contenders popular picks to get to a Final Four. You're talking Arkansas and what Musselman's doing with his recruiting, all the talent they've added there, Nick Smith Jr., talking Kentucky, the reigning national player of the year. 
last game of the year, right before postseason. That's a heck of a kickoff to March. Yeah, and so do you think that will help the Cats in that, you know, it's always that Thursday night, Friday night game, uh, you know, to, kind of depending on how things go. Hopefully the Friday night game as we kind of expect it to be. Uh, but, you know, it, there's always that sluggish start there on that Friday, you know, late afternoon, late evening game. Do you think playing Arkansas when they are that kind of build up performance to kind of get them ready for, uh, you know, kind of postseason play? Do you think that will play, you know, to their favor? Or do you think they're going to get up for Arkansas and then kind of have a letdown to open uh, the SEC slate? I'm not worried about it. Not not with this team. I think that this team's going to have enough veterans on it that have been through this. You're talking guys that you know, an Oscar Sheboy, Xavier Wheeler, Jacob Toppin. They, they know what it takes and how engaged you have to be to to win against regardless whether it's Arkansas or the first round of the NCAA tournament. I think by the time you get to that point in the schedule, that the biggest hope is that everybody's healthy and everybody's available. Because when it got to that point last year, let's let's face it, Kentucky's wheels were falling off when it come to the health factor. It wasn't the on court factor. It was were they healthy enough? Uh, but think about those final three Saturdays there of the regular season. You've got on the road, or you got Tennessee at Rupp, you got Auburn at Rupp, and you got on the road at Arkansas. Those are massive games to close league play. Probably all opportunities to be quad one victories. Like this is a team that's going to be able to build their resume starting in November 15th, all the way up until March 4th before that league tournament starts. Yeah, absolutely. We get two comments about the that Gonzaga, Georgia weekend. Aaron Gasway says, chance for Kentucky to beat number one Georgia in football and then number one Gonzaga in basketball. Uh, and then Lance Brooks says that would be something if we could pull it off and upset number one Georgia and a, a possible upset number one Gonzaga. Uh, what are the chances that happening, Sean? I know we're kind of <laughs> overlapping football and basketball on this show because we want this to be, you know, a, a love affair between the two programs. We are uh, combining as one. Uh, for those two sports, I'll tell you this much: the way Mark Stoops' program plays in big games, and the where the 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 it's the confidence that they possess right now, it might be John Calipari having to take care of business on Sunday because Mark Stoops might have already taken care of it on Saturday. So that's the I, I don't know. I, I think it's one of those weekends that I remember in 2018, awful. Right? You had Georgia, you had the yeah. huge game deciding the SEC East at Kroger Field, and then you had Kentucky's game that I don't even want to talk about against Duke in the Champions Classic in Indianapolis. So, uh, And then you followed it up with a road trip to Tennessee and lost. So that week wasn't a very good week. This feels like it could be another opportunity to have a big week with Michigan State, Gonzaga, and then you got Georgia obviously there. So uh, I think there's going to be a lot of people trying to pull off the double trip there. Maybe as soon as that football game's <laughs> over with, you're catching a flight to, uh, to Gonzaga and getting out there for that basketball game. But I, I love it. I think it's going to be an exciting weekend for BBN. Well, literally today I got a text from Tyler about, you know, uh, hey, how do you want to do this uh, Gonzaga trip? Are you going out to Spokane? And I'm like, I got to go to Spokane. But at the same time, I'm like, man, when do you fly out there? Like, when when do you fly? Because we don't know what the time of that Gonzaga game is yet. So you don't want to just be like, yeah, I'll fly out Saturday, you know, morning. Because then I, I am not missing that Georgia football game. No. I'm just not going to. So do you risk it and travel up early, early Sunday morning? And uh, it's tough that they, they, they gave Kentucky fans a very – a very interesting predicament uh, in, in terms of how they want to go about their, you know, the, the whole football school, basketball school rivalry. Uh, it's really put to the test when you talk, when you're talking SEC East for football uh, up for grabs against Georgia, and then a potential number one versus number two battle, Kentucky versus Georgia, uh, Kentucky versus Gonzaga uh, on and, the road. And, and when it comes to me, who covers both for my own outlet, you're kind of in this predicament where you're going, okay, if this decides the SEC East or a regular season college basketball game, and I know it's more than just a regular season college basketball game. It is a possible number one team in the country. But if it's deciding the SEC East, I'll probably be at Kroger Field. If it's not, I will definitely be at Gonzaga. It's it's one of those that you wish you could pull both off because you never know when you're going to get the opportunity to go back to Gonzaga. I mean, Sean, we just saw what happened with the couches getting burned this weekend after the Florida win and things like that. What the hell would happen if Kentucky beats Georgia and Gonzaga the same weekend? Will will, will there even be a Lexington? They'll like, bring the couches to Kroger Field and burn them there. That's what will happen. Burn, yeah, just like a, like a big like fire pit. Uh, uh, Kroger Field is being a big, massive fire pit, and all of their stuff 
uh, just inside and fans can pile up in the stands and, and watch everything burn in front of them. I think that's probably the safest, safest bet to do it. I don't think you would, I don't think you would find a program or university around the country that could have a better jam packed weekend than that one. I mean, basketball, football, I mean, right now, Kentucky fans have it made. Honestly, like you're talking, like there's people talking to me about Kentucky football and Kentucky basketball. That's how it should be. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're talking about how good this football team is right now and how exciting that game was Saturday, and then you're talking about what basketball's doing coming up, like this is the time to – I mean, you're you're sitting back th- thinking, man, this is fun. Because I remember going to football games as a kid and everybody talking about, well, basketball season's right around the corner. Can't wait for it. You're no longer saying that. It's not because basketball's not good. It's because mm-hmm. you're really enjoying what the football product is on the field right now. I think this is the best time for BBN. I think it these days – you never know how long they're going to last. I mean, you don't. Like, what's this program look like after Mark Stoops? Hopefully it continues to do what it's doing now. I think you sit back and you enjoy it because this is a really fun time to be a Kentucky fan. Yeah, Happy Butters Blast says Gonzaga game is going to be huge for seeding. Could be the difference in a one seed uh, or not for us in March. Uh, and then Debbie Ryan says, love that this is even a predicament. I completely agree. I, it's just absolutely such a, such a cool thing for us to even be in this uh, position and have these conversations. I mean, it, uh, and you don't make the, and honestly, you don't make the wrong call on either one of them. That's how I look at it. If you decide to go basketball, you go basketball. If you decide to go football, you go football. I, I think either one is the right decision, but yeah, this is a, that's a really exciting predicament to have. And I, I'm sure there's a lot of football basketball programs around the country that would like to have that same predicament, but it's going to be fun. Uh, that, that would have been the only thing that could have made it better is if you'd have had Georgia at home on Saturday and it was Gonzaga's time to come to Rupp Arena on Sunday. That would have been the most Ooh. epic weekend, <laughs> and it would have solved a lot of problems for everyone if they could have lined it up that way. That would have been that would have been a, a camp-out tailgate weekend where they just arrive Thursday afternoon and they don't leave till Monday morning. Type yeah, they, they don't even know the North Florida game is going on on Friday night. <laughs> no, they're like, yeah, you know what, we'll watch it on TV. We'll catch it on, you know, the streaming sites or whatever, we're going to be tailgating outside and we're going to be having a good time. That, Oh man, that's, uh, I, I like that comment from Debbie Ryan. Love that we're even in this predicament because it could be a whole lot worse. And there are a whole lot of other schools that are uh, struggling with the same thing. So uh, there's a, a lot of sc- scheduling talk there. Let me go through the, the comments and make sure nobody else uh, has any other questions about that. Kevin Price has any idea when basketball tickets go on sale. I do not uh, Noah, Sean, have have single game tickets gone on sale yet? Didn't they send something out earlier in the? I thought I saw something. Maybe that. Let, let me check. They had it on Twitter. They've not been as active on Twitter this week. Let me go back and look here. I want to think. No, it's sorry. Season ticket renewal deadline is Thursday, September eighth. That's the only thing I've seen with tickets. So I mean, we're we're at least in the ballpark. Yeah. We'll be getting some. Well, probably got to know the full schedule. It's probably what they're waiting on too. Like we're like I said, there's still three dates missing because I see 28 games on the schedule. They're going to play 31. Mm-hmm. Which Louisville announced their schedule today. Duke announced their schedule today. Kentucky. I reached out to Kentucky today to see if we got an update. They said your guess is as good as mine right now. No official updates right now. So we we do not have anything uh, official yet. Um, but but uh, I'm sure that will be happening in the very near future. So uh, we'll uh, kind of ease our way out of scheduling talk. It's something Kentucky fans are obviously very excited about. I'm very excited about it. Um, But it's also another big week, Sean, uh, for recruiting reasons. It was the opening of the live period for the Kentucky coaching staff where they have been racking up the travel miles, racking up the sky miles to go see basically everybody uh, that, that they're going after in the class of 2022, uh, class of 2023, class of 2024, and even some kids uh, in the class of 2025 are getting some early uh, sniffs and, and, and discussion. So that's definitely something to be excited about, Sean. The very first visit, John Calipari and his staff, and it was the entire staff, they went three deep. Uh, it was John Calipari, or I guess four deep, John Calipari, Orlando Antigua, Chin Coleman, and Bruiser Flint went up there uh, to the Northeast, to, North, uh, to uh, New Jersey to go see – you guessed it, DJ Wagner and Aaron Bradshaw, the very first visit they took. What does that tell you about 
where their head is, you know, collective head is at about, you know, recruiting and, and who they're going after and just how important it is to land those two guys to close out that, this class. That, that was supposed to be the first stop when on those visits. That, that Absolutely. You're, you're trying to get both of those guys. It's right now the main focus was obviously about shoring up 23 and then getting the start on 24. Like they're trying to take care of 23, finish that thing off. It all starts with DJ Wagner. And uh, I think that that was the, the perfect way to kickstart it. You're, you're taking your staff up there with you. You're, you're making a statement there and you're, and you're hoping probably in the near future, you, you get decisions made with, with those guys and kind of get that 23 class inked and on paper before you even start in the champions classic there against Michigan state. Cause we know that that's close to that signing day date. So uh, Kentucky, Looks like uh, a class, Jack, that if they can get some momentum here down the stretch in the fall, the bulk of it could be finished before they even get into their own season. Yeah, and we've talked about, you know, this class of uh, in the, this 2023 class and how I am not a fan of these guys, you know, in terms of superstar prospects. You know, I think that they all have their flaws. I think Justin Edwards, for my money, is the best player in the class. Kentucky has him uh, committed. Um, but he's best served as kind of a Robin and not a Batman. And, and uh, you know, it's kind of fascinating to have a guy who, you know, in terms of talent based on everybody else and, and, and compared to everybody else is, you know, as a Robin. Uh, you don't get that often as the best player in the class. And, and you know, every one of these players in the class uh, has flaws and, and they're not, you know, it's not a perfect group, but everybody is recruiting from the same pool. And it appears that Kentucky is going to get all of the best players from that pool uh, of of the the top talents and top five star recruits. So, um, just you know, curious your thoughts on on if things unfold the way uh, I think Cal envisions. They're going all in on DJ. They're going all in on Aaron Bradshaw, and then Ron Holland is a guy uh, that that um, UK took a visit to on Monday. They're going all in on him. I think it's it's Arkansas, Kentucky, and Texas kind of fighting. Uh, tooth and nail to, to try to climb to the top of his list as well. They're going all in on those three prospects to round out that class to join uh, Rob Dillingham, Ju- uh, Justin Edwards, and Reed Shepard. It's a deep class, a very, very deep class. And, and if you finish with those three guys and that's what your class is, yeah, you deserve an A-plus because mm-hmm. that's a heck of a class. And, and you talked about it. The the class overall, it's not one of those classes where you look at and say, okay, those those are difference-making guys the moment they step foot on the floor in college basketball. But the guys that Kentucky's getting and that they're after, those are the difference-makers when it comes – when you're talking, you know, DJ Wagner, you're talking Justin Edwards. Like, those guys to me are difference-makers the moment they step on campus – you put that class with the guys that we've talked about as possibly coming back for another season at Kentucky. And I know it's too early to start talking about that, but we know there will be guys coming back. You're talking about the makings of a number one, number two, number three team in the country mm-hmm. the moment the season starts a year from now. So not only are we talking about a team highly ranked now, you're kind of setting the door and setting everything up, setting the table for what it looks like next year too. Yeah, and you know we've talked uh, – I think John Calipari – knows that this team that he has on campus right now is it's a title contender. He, he's is. very confident uh, in this team, you know, going all the way, or at least at the very, at the very least making a deep run. And I think he sees the year afterward. I think he sees a couple of these key pieces coming back for another season using NIL, uh, you know, using an expanded role, kind of a sim- perfect example is Jacob top and what he did from last year to this year, you know, kind of playing behind some guys, maybe not being the go-to guy that he wanted to be, he returns for another year. Damon Collins being the being the same example, you know, using that next year to you know develop, but also use that expanded uh, you know platform and and see what you can do with it and see if you can become a draft pick. I think there are some of those you know it's, we're going to get some similar examples for this past year with with uh, this current year and, and going into next year. I think there's going to be some guys with some very difficult decisions to make. Antonio Reeves, I think C.J. Frederick's a guy that you got to pencil yeah. in. As a you know potential returner, what does Xavier Wheeler do? Uh, you know, if if DJ Wagner something you know falls short with him and he ends up going elsewhere, I think he's going to Kentucky. And I think that uh, you know Xavier ends up leaving after this year. But you have that kind of in your back pocket if you if you want to use it. Uh, Cal is in a very unique position right now to where he can well, get really really creative if he wants to. And, and when it comes to to unique, if and I know you and I have talked about this on this show your big man for next year is already on campus. And we got to see a glimpse of him in Kentucky blue and white today for, for the first time and in that practice Jersey. So, I mean, you're talking Kingsley. We don't know exactly what his role will be within this team. And there he is. 
So uh, I think that that's your big man for next year already on campus. I think you're getting him ready to play alongside Reed Shepard, play alongside the Justin Edwards and these other pieces that are going to be coming in. We don't know what this role is going to look like for Kingsley this year, but we do know that it's going to involve getting himself ready for whatever next year holds, and you want him ready when the season starts a year from now. And look, I don't want to, and, and what made me think of this is there's a Happy Butters Blast says, what, who do I need to sell my soul to to get Oscar back? <laughs> this isn't this isn't a done deal. This isn't a guarantee. I'm not saying it is, but it is not out of the realm of possibility that Kentucky gets Oscar Sheboy back for a third year. Uh, this is a guy that's making a lot of money, uh, as is with at, with at Kentucky, and and he's kind of they're doing all of the things behind the scenes to set up a lucrative year for for Oscar Sheboy. And yeah, you'd like him to be a you know knockdown shooter from three and somebody that's you know, capable of knocking down from, uh, you know, 15 to 17 feet and, you know, kind of being that potential draft pick. And, and you know, you want a guy like Oscar to kind of slowly do the Like what we saw with Nick Richards, Sean, a guy that had no business being an NBA draft pick to start with. And by the end of his uh, Kentucky career, he was a go-to draft guy. And you were proud of him for taking that next next leap and, and, and walking across that stage in the NBA draft. You want a guy like Oscar Sheboy to take that next step. But if he, if he's in no rush to leave because he's making so much money here at Kentucky, that's definitely something that throws a wrench into things. And it's the most beautiful, perfect wrench that you could possibly think of. I will say that uh, they're working behind the scenes to, you know, with the visa thing, um, with him being the status, and I don't want to like give specifics, but with him having the status that he has right now, yeah. uh, being the celebrity that he is, we'll, we'll put that out there, that it kind of changes the game, that it allows him to apply for uh, different things that he wasn't able to before when he was just another college basketball player. Now that he is who he is, uh, you know, you you he's now in a position where, like, you get guys like Drake, who, you know, he's not a, an American citizen technically. He is here on a visa, but he's still able to make money in the States for – you know, because of his status and who he is as a person, they're, they're working behind the scenes diligently to, to try to get Oscar on that same page. And if that works out the way it could and the way it should, then I think we could start getting into some really unique, uh, fun conversations there in, in the future. And the, and the thing that allows us to have this conversation is Oscar Sheboy is who Oscar Sheboy is. I mean, you're the reigning national player of the year in college basketball and you weren't a solidified first round draft pick. Now, he's going to add to his game. He's going to do some things differently. We know he's going to take some three-pointers. That's not going to shoot Oscar Shibley all the way into the top ten of the NBA draft. I mean, another another year older, things like that. But he has the ability to make life-changing money in college basketball the way he is right now. Who's to say that he doesn't do it another season of it at Kentucky? And, and, I, and I think if Kentucky wins a national championship and stuff, then I think you're going to see a lot of guys kind of part and move on and do, do the next step and whatever it is. But – it's not entirely out of the realm of possibility that you have another year of Oscar Sheboy. We mentioned Sabir Wheeler. You could have another year of that. Like there's some interesting decisions to me, John Calipari, it's not stressful decisions. It's decisions that you kind of have some comfort in and go, okay, what do we need to do? And that's what I was getting at earlier when it comes to this signing class. If you've got it pinned to paper in November, you kind of can start looking at what your roster is going to look like. And then when it gets down to those spring decisions, you can kind of key in and say, okay, do I need a shooter here? Do I need a two-way player here? Do I need a defensive specialist? What do I need to make this next roster good enough to win a national championship? Yeah, you you, you know, Uganda Kingsley is a guy that uh, they brought in to groom behind Oscar Sheboy. And how, not ironic, but just how cool would it be that they brought him in to be kind of the replacement for Oscar or kind of the complimentary piece, uh, you, you know, hope planning on his departure and then having him kind of be the replacement and then getting lucky with both of them. And it puts him in such a, a fantastic position with the Aaron Bradshaw situation, because, you know, he's a guy that they had committed behind the scenes. He, that was a done deal. You know, no questions asked. He was coming to Kentucky. His mom kind of jumped in and said, Whoa, 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 why are we rushing to do this? There's no real, you know, rush to just, you know, knock out a decision for the sake of doing one. Uh, I was talking to people, you know, close to the program that said that, you know, they're still pushing on uh, with Aaron and they, they really want him. They love his game. They're very, very high on his game and kind of his growth as a jump shooter and, and you know, think the world of him. Uh, but they understand that 
when he's now kind of hitting pause on things, he's going to take a couple other visits. They understand that he's going to take a couple of visits and they're perfectly fine with him taking other visits. There's not as much pressure on Kentucky's and to land that kid. They want him. They want him desperately. They really, really like his game. But when you have Uganda there and you know that there's that outside chance with Oscar, you don't have to just kind of put, go all in on Aaron Bradshaw and say, we need you. We're desperate. Uh, whatever it takes to get you. They can say, we want you. Let's make it happen. But worst case scenario, it is what it is. Looking at that picture there of Kingsley on the screen, what stands out about that picture? Um, that's a that's a frame. that's a frame that's a frame that's going to look significantly different in twelve months. Yeah, like that's a frame that can put on a lot of size, a lot of muscle, in this conditioning program at Kentucky. We've seen it. We've seen how quickly these bodies can change once they get on campus at UK. Let's let's compare that picture now. Let's see another one in February, March, and see what he looks like. It'll be entirely different. Yeah, like I'm that. Sure. That's, that's an impressive frame, and I think that that's what you're wanting. You're wanting him to be that elite rim protector for you a year from now. You're wanting to be that strong body that can screen, can run to the rim, can make some plays on the defensive end. I, I love the position that John Calipari's in. I, I told I told you a couple of weeks ago on the on the show, the portal year was the perfect bridge to what they wanted to do. We had that discussion two years ago where we're like, okay, what is Kentucky going to do? Is it going to be portal pieces, portal pieces, portal pieces? Are they going to get back to getting number one, number two, top five kids? We know now that the blueprint is to get the best of the best in high school basketball, but then to mix the rest of your roster with a guy like Antonio Reeves mm-hmm. or a transfer as you needed a certain position, or you go get a guy that is a reclass that is going to be a project and build and develop within your program, a, a Jacob Toppin. Mm-hmm. You fill your rosters with those guys that have the upside and the potential to turn into possible NBA prospects. I, I love the way that John Calipari has built this roster and I love the approach that he's taken in the last year to what the way that the, he took advantage of the portal. It was the perfect bridge. It, it put them in position to make a deep run last year. It didn't work out, but you're still benefiting the, from that portal because you've got Savir Wheeler, Oscar Sheboy, these guys back again. Yeah, absolutely. Daryl Williams says uh, Dillingham is not coming here to play behind Wheeler. No, he's not. He's not. But that's also why I said that if things go south with DJ Wagner, it's like it, you don't you don't have to have Xavier coming back to you know like you. It's just something that you have in your back pocket, knowing that yeah, he probably isn't going to be this make this massive jump to NBA status this year, uh, where you know if you beg Xavier to come back and say, hey, we got some NIL money lined up for you, let's make this happen, you know, let's cut to the chase, we need you back, Xavier. He's a guy that's probably going to take up take UK up on that offer. It's a great position for him, great platform for him. I, the only reason why I even brought him up is just to say that's well, how creative Cal can get if it if it gets to that point. And he's likely going to lead the Power Five and assists for a third straight year. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's not many. I don't, I don't know. Is there anyone that we can say that about in in history? I know definitely not in recent history that yeah. I know of that's led yeah. the Power Five. I mean, he did it at Georgia. He did it at Kentucky. He's probably going to have a good chance to do it at Kentucky again. It just gives you some insurance as a coach and as a program to know that if you need to go that route and if the kid wants to go that route, you have that option. Yeah. Um, going back a little bit earlier in the comments, making sure we hit on everybody, uh, Andy Chen says, this class is going to be ridiculous with Kingsley in the paint. I Completely agree. Big fan of, of uh, Kentucky's potential with uh, Kingsley down there, down low. Uh, and then the next comment was Daryl Williams said, uh, Rob, DJ Edwards, Bradshaw, Reed. I think that is, you know, depending on how things shake out with with Ron Holland, uh, he's a guy that I think kind of like Justin Edwards knows who he is as a player. I think he was somebody that was very uh, intrigued with the idea of being a superstar wherever he went. And, you know, Arkansas, Texas, they are offering that possibility but I think he's also a guy that saw how good he was uh, playing USA basketball uh, uh, you know as a complimentary piece with a bunch of other superstars one being DJ Wagner uh, I think he understood how good he was and how much better he looked in that setting and I, I think that's something that obviously intrigues a guy like that um, so that's something to keep an eye on I, I think another thing to keep an eye on is that he is in no rush to make a decision he was wanting to decide in September. I talked to him at, at one of the EYBL stops, and he said, yeah, I'd like to get this thing over with in September. Had that been the case, I think it would have been a done deal, Arkansas. I don't think th- there would have even been a, a, a hesitation. But because he is now kind of taking a step back and going, hmm, let's see, 
I think it, it gets Kentucky in an interesting position. I don't, I don't think they're a favorite or anything right now, but they're now in kind of a, they have a puncher's chance. Well, in the, in the comment before that mentioned Kingsley with all those pieces on Kentucky's roster, and the, the thing that I like about it is when you have an, a rim protector like that and a guy that can affect the game with his length in the paint at the rim, that's an instant transition starter. You block some shots and you get all these wings, the Justin Edwards downhill, mm. you get your DJ Wagner at Kentucky and New Jersey, Rob Dillingham. You get all these guys that can get out and transition. That's the perfect piece to have around it. Protect the rim, transition points on the other end. Uh, David Wood asked, has UK started recruiting Eric Daly Jr.? No. Um, this it, it's, it's fascinating because I had heard at one of the EYBL stops Actually, his dad told me that UK had called him. Jay Lucas, when he was still at Kentucky, had reached out to him directly and said, hey, just very early conversations. This is when he had just made the decision to um, reclassify back a year to the class of 2023. Uh, and then today he puts out his list with Kentucky on it, uh, cuts his list to, to eight, and uh, Kentucky is on it. I think Kentucky – is very loosely interested as a let's see how it goes. I'll come see you during the live recruiting period. I do think that there will be a visit maybe to go see him in person, but I don't think that it will amount to anything. I don't think that yeah. this is a kid that uh, I think he's going to end up going overseas. I think this is a kid that he it's it's the writing has kind of been on the wall for him to go overseas and, and go pro uh, for a minute now. And uh, I, you know, I like him as a player. I don't love him as a player. I like his physicality and kind of just you know, what he brings as a forward. But um, I, I just don't see the fit there, especially with who UK is looking at elsewhere. So I, I know that news came out today. Uh, UK has not offered, and I don't think there are any imminent plans for UK to offer. But uh, there could be a some conversations kind of ramping up, and there could be an in-person visit that happens at some point. But I don't think it it, it extends anything beyond there. I definitely think that. Um, his likely end destination will be overseas. Um, looking elsewhere to see if there are any other comments that we may have missed regarding recruiting. Uh, Kevin Price, I read an, an article a couple months ago that Bradshaw actually lived with DJ. Somebody else asked, uh, is there's a rumor about um, DJ and Aaron not liking each other? I can't remember who said that. Oh, uh, Zach Braun, are the reports that D DJ and Bradshaw don't want to play together in college. True. I don't think so. I mean, I, I think it's more so a Aaron Bradshaw has been playing next to DJ Wagner for so long and um, kind of a he, playing under his shadow type deal, you know, like with, if you're playing with your brother, you know, your brother is a, you know, superstar and you're kind of very good in your own right, but not that same level of guy. You kind of don't want to be tied down to him, but you still obviously want to play with your brother, right, Sean? I think that's kind of the best way to describe it. I do think that there's a very solid chance that they play together. It's not a done deal, obviously, but um, well, it's it's, it's also one of those things. We, we both we both know they're they're both talented in their own right, but yeah, when you you sure. play together, like it, it's one of those things where DJ is obviously the higher profile guy. When it we we've been following DJ Wagner now for years when it comes to Kentucky basketball recruiting it gets eyes on you as well when you play with someone like that. And that's a big reason why you go to Kentucky. All eyes are on this program. NBA scouts, we know that they're going to have their pro day at some point this fall. It's going to be NBA scouts in Lexington for an entire weekend. It's an annual event. That's why you come to a place like Kentucky. It's about the next step in your basketball career. It's not about the current step. It's about the one beyond Kentucky. Absolutely. Uh, BJ, BJ Haga, too. Says Trey Johnson versus Ian Jackson. Do we see Cal getting both? Uh, is there one they want more? No, they want them both very equally in their own beautiful, beautiful regards because they are, for my money, the two best players in that class of 2023. And I think Kentucky's in a phenomenal spot with both of them. And you know my thoughts on Ian Jackson. You, oh, you know how much I love Ian Jackson. He's my favorite player in the class. Honestly, I'd, I'd take him right now. That's how that's how much I like Ian Jackson. He produced. You you cannot tell me that Ian Jackson wouldn't be on this team right now and and not produce. I mean, yeah. that's a dude. He's going to. He's one of those guys that he's not elite at any one thing, but he is so freaking good at everything that yep. he does. He's a he's a very good defender. He's a very good you know, you know slasher ball handler. He gets a little erratic at times, but you know what? 
Who the hell isn't at this stage? I mean, he's- it was the defense in Spartanburg when I was there, and I t- that was the first live look that I got at Ian Jackson back in April. And I texted you, and I said uh, Ian Jackson just got Orlando Antigua out of his seat, and it wasn't because of a dunk or a basket; it was because of his defense and his willingness to defend. And I was like, okay, that that's a guy Kentucky really likes. It's a guy I really like. I hope. I mean, I'd love to see him in Kentucky Blue. Yeah, Aaron Gasaway says Ian Jackson is the best player uh, in high school basketball, in my opinion. I. I wouldn't say the best in high school basketball because there's a lot of, of very good players out there. That that 2025 class is very special. Yeah, uh, Aaron Peterson's a guy that UK just offered, and they're very very high on him. But Ian's right there. He You're talking him. upside. It's there. And, and Ian's a, Ian is an interesting case because I do see him physically as a reclass guy. Sean, we've talked about that several times on the show. Um, I do think that Kentucky gets DJ Wagner. But for whatever reason, if if Rob Dillingham randomly decides that he wants to decommit one day or uh, they get a surprise departure from Antonio Rees, Antonio's a guy that they wanted back, uh, you know, for next year. They were canceling him in as the next guy. But if he's so freaking good this year, Sean, that he goes to the draft and they need that guy at that position, maybe if they're not super confident in Justin Edwards or however they want to, to I, I don't know, however they want to play it out, Ian is a guy that I would that would be my first call. I'd say Ian, we we need you right now. They are intrigued with him as a reclass guy, but I do think that uh, when push comes to shove, he is Kentucky's number one target in that 2024 class. Um, and hopefully, he stays there because that would be one hell of a way to kind of uh, as like the anchor of that that rising junior class. Well, we've been talking about adjustments and things that John Calipari has been doing different, and another one was getting in on 24 sooner. Extending mm-hmm. those offers that that was a big deal. You you build those relationships, but now you build those relationships centered around yes, we want you, and and I think that that was a big adjustment that Cal made this summer. Like I said when we opened the show, I think that since St. Peter's, I think John Calipari and this men's basketball program has done everything right. Mm-hmm. I, I, I honestly agree. think that they have made everything that we talked about on that trip home, and then the days following that loss, they've answered the bell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, going down the list, um, uh, Titanium Titan says this is football related, but any rumors slash news on Stoops getting a lifetime contract? Uh, I haven't heard anything about a lifetime contract for Stoops, but uh, I don't think that's something that I'm necessarily a super huge fan of. Um, he keeps winning enough games, he gets an added year anyhow. So, like. <laughs> It's, it's, I mean, basically, you win seven games a year. Do you think that's going to need to get rewritten to where, you know, that's the expectation that he wins seven games a year? Or do you think it's kind of like, oh, that's an expectation. We want you to win seven games a year. Good. Well, We're, we will keep you here as long as you keep doing what we asked you to do when we signed this contract. It's one of those things that Mark Stoops isn't getting fired from the head, from the head coaching job at Kentucky regardless. I mean, when you – are the winningest coach in Kentucky football history. You you are Kentucky football history. Like that is that is it. Like uh no look this this program it's it certainly feels like it's built to stay. And I, I was saying before we started recording on on this show earlier, I think the best thing that ever happened to this football program is it didn't get to the point that it's at now too soon. Had this happened four years in, Mark Stoops would not be the head coach of Kentucky right now. But you let it get to year six, seven, eight, nine, and it just keeps building. I think that he'd done enough over the course, and it was a consistent, steady build that I think that that's what made him get it up being a decade at Kentucky. And I always said if he got to year 10, I think he'd retire at UK. And I think that that's what happens. I know you got Nebraska and all this stuff out there. Mark Stoops is a lifer at Kentucky. I fully believe that. Yeah. So maybe it's not an official lifetime contract, but. That boy got a lifetime contract here. Right? <laughs> um, uh, going down some of these other questions before we start wrapping things up. I got a question for you, Sean. Uh, Michael Durbin says, any chance they get involved with Sir Muhammad, Nazi's son? What do you What do you think of the possibility of UK going after a, a um, go-to guy like Nazi and his, his – I mean, you got Reed Shepard, right? You got the son of Jeff Shepard. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, it would be super cool. You got two guys that won a national championship at UK. Yeah, bring them all on. Like we we know the the pedigree and stuff when it comes to being a, a Kentucky a Kentucky kid and a Kentucky family member there and a legacy guy. Like yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's not super good. Let's. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm just being totally honest. He's not unbelievably good, but 
he's got talent. I mean, he's a he's a guy that he's he he's got some talent, and I wouldn't be opposed to bringing in a guy like that as a you know an enthusiast. Like, why couldn't he be a new yeah. hero? I mean, why couldn't he be? Like, why couldn't he be that type of guy where you bring him in as the 10th option or whatever? This is a program that doesn't fill all scholarships anyhow. You know, why not? Just just fill it. <laughs> I, I, why can't he be the 11th, man? I, I completely- no, I've, I've been seeing that name pop up from time to time, and I'm like, yeah, probably not, but it would be fun. I mean, obviously, when you, you got Reed Shepard, you got, you got Muhammad there, it would be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Uh, KY Cats 06 says Nocta going to be good for UK uh, moving forward. Double thumbs up. Absolutely. Positively. It is a very good thing. Uh, business is booming right now for Kentucky behind the scenes on stuff like that. Uh, the connections are good. They're in with the guys that matter with things like that. And, you know, apparel brands and the worldwide Wests of the world, the people behind the scenes and in the sport, uh, the people that matter are all in on on Kentucky, and and they have uh, rekindled some of the things that that haven't been great in past years, and all that that stuff. Nocta being one of them, uh, expect some uh, good connection things with that moving forward. It's it's definitely good for Kentucky moving forward, one hundred percent. John P. Ryan says, um, does UK have a good shot with Dink Pate if offered? I one hundred percent do. I think that he's a guy that. Um, UK has always been very intrigued with. Uh, I think that they've they've liked him for a long time. He's one of those guys that he's growing. Kind of, you know, could be six seven, six eight, six nine. I think he's you know six seven ish right now. Could be six nine. Um, could be a point guard. Could be a shooting guard. Uh, kind of one of those Adutiero situations where you don't really know what the heck he's going to be yet, uh, but you know he's got a lot of talent. He's got some creation. He's got some scoring. He's got some slashing. He's athletic. Uh, he's he's a, a lot of fun to watch. One of my favorite players in that class. Um, and I think Kentucky likes him a whole bunch too. And, and I know he's a big fan of Kentucky as well. A lot of Texas ties. Uh, I know he's close with, uh, you know, Kaysen Wallace. And then I know KT Turner likes him quite a bit. So uh, that's definitely one to keep an eye on uh, for uh, Kentucky basketball. I believe that wraps up some of the other questions. Uh, I know Titanium Titan says, uh, when are some of the single game tickets for basketball coming out and are they already being sold specifically Arkansas versus uh, Kentucky February 7th? We talked about it earlier on the show. Uh, I uh, am not 100% sure when those tickets are coming out. Uh, and then he also asked, is Ron Holland set to commit this month? Wasn't sure if I read an article correctly. That was the case before he was going to commit uh, this month. Now he's kind of taken a step back and said, you know, I'm uh, evaluating my options thoroughly. We'll see how things go. Um, not a done deal in any sense of the imagination, which is great news for Kentucky if they're wanting to slide in very late. Sean, I think that wraps up things here. Um, I will say I, I had a list of guys that, that Kentucky w- went to go see uh, to open this live period. DJ Wagner, Aaron Bradshaw, Ron Holland, uh, Ian Jackson, Trey Johnson, Tahad Pettiford, Boogie Flan, Dink Pate, uh, Nas Cunningham, and I'm sure there are others that I'm missing. Uh, the UK is going to see Reed Shepard on Thursday. I'm, I think they're going to go see Rob Dillingham as well. They're, they were already up in the Northeast. Justin Edwards are definitely going to go see him as well. Um, uh, Ace Bailey, UK is going to go see him. Jaden Williams with uh, overtime elite. Uh, Carter Knox, they'll definitely check in with him. Dylan Harper, John Bull, uh, uh, Asa Noel, um, Santo Surreal, and, and I think I already said Tohad Pettiford, but um, a long list of guys that UK is going after, and, and uh, I, th- I think Kentucky's starting to do the process of zeroing in on guys that they're uh, big fans of and uh, taking this process to the next level. So, Sean, uh, with that, let's get out of here uh, with one last message from our friends uh, at uh, Athletic Greens. Our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because I've ramped up my daily workouts, and eating a cleaner diet in Athletic Greens was the perfect complement to my efforts in getting healthy, the thing is, I didn't want a chalky, nasty, bitter supplement that tastes like grass clippings. I wanted something I genuinely enjoyed with a mild tropical taste. It's a drink I actually look forward to each morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, uh, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. The special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All of the things. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, 
vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything, while still tasting good. It supports better sleep quality and recovery, uh, mental clarity and alertness, and it costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your overall uh, health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit right now. It's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water each day. That's it. No need for a million different pills uh, and supplements to look out for your health to make it easy. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash pilgrim. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash pilgrim, P-I-L-G-R-I-M to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Sean Smith, that wraps up today's show. Uh, where can fans find your work? You can find my work at gobigbluecountry.com and you can follow me on Twitter at gbbcountry. You can find me on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com. With that, we'll be back next Tuesday night for another Jam Pack Source to Say podcast. We will see you there.